In this digital first world, the old ways of recruiting are becoming obsolete. Or are they? The talent demands on every business has put TA squarely in the hot seat. Welcome to Talent Acquisition in the Trenches, a real dialogue podcast with talent acquisition pros closest to the front line. We want to talk to our peers who are actually doing the heavy lifting day in and day out. You're going to learn what their biggest challenges are and how they're being solved. I'm your host, Matt Reimer, and I'm here to talk about TA. I've been in TA for over 20 years, and what I know is that I don't know. I'm here to listen and learn just like you. No scripts, just real dialogue. Talent Acquisition in the Trenches is powered by NACR, the preeminent association for healthcare recruitment professionals focused on education, networking, and providing resources to enable our members to become strategic business partners in the ever-changing healthcare environment. My friends call me Reimer, so friends, let's create some new riffs with Reimer. Thanks for trenching in. Today we have Christian Ray. He's a trusted TA advisor, process and data expert with over 16 years of experience, a certified Six Sigma black belt and lean facilitator. He's got a master's degree in operations management from the University of Whitewater. He led continuous improvement efforts at SSM Health for over a decade. And most recently, he's been part of Lean Human Capital, now powered by Rogue Hire, as a consultant working through and with healthcare TA professionals uh, across the U.S. Christian, welcome to the show. Thanks, Matt. Happy to be here. Yeah, so super excited to to dig in here a little bit and talk most specifically about the 2022-2023 benchmarking survey that you're leading. And first, though, let's talk a little bit about Rogue Hire and your newest adventure professionally. Yeah, a lot of exciting developments with Rogue Hire over the last couple months. I'm thrilled about where we are and the journey that we're on, not only with the team at Rogue Hire, but also with the community and the clients that we serve within the healthcare TA space. We've got a lot of exciting developments for 2023 ahead of us. And one of those, I, you know, now and I've been, you know, close to this work as well, is the the benchmarking survey that, that happens annually. And so, Maybe let's just start there and kind of talk a little bit about, and you had, you've had you been part of Lean and, and really part of this benchmarking for, you know, again, three and a half, four years now. Um, talk to us a little bit about the history of that study. You know, how broad is it? Just give us a little bit of context to kind of what's going on. Yeah. So my, my experience with the benchmarking study goes back to when I was a client at SSM Health. I was looking for a way to assess our performance within the TA space. And we really didn't have a a comparison tool to understand how we were doing within the scope of healthcare TA. So the origins of the Lean Human Capital benchmark study really came out of the Recruiter Academy. David Zari, Mm -hmm. who was founder of the Recruiter Academy, was was, uh, hearing from his students and the clientele that they really needed to understand their data and how they compared to the industry. And Although there's other benchmarking tools out there, there's nothing that really answers the questions of healthcare TA and what is our performance and how how do we compare? So that started in 2010 and the benchmark has been growing ever since, not only in size, but also in depth and understanding to to be able to draw out different insights every year. So it's been live since 2010, you know, 13 year, fairly, fairly stable study, I guess, for folks that, you know, maybe haven't heard of it before or aren't currently participating in it. Like, why would this be something important to consider here in 2022, 2023? Well, there's been so much change in the TA space, regardless of industry, but more profoundly within healthcare post-COVID. 
I mean, applicant rates are down nearly 42% uh, compared to where we were in 2019. And that's driving organizations and healthcare TA teams and individual recruiters and sourcers to have to behave differently. Uh, so mm -hmm. to change actions and behaviors and how I manage the benchmark really helps us understand what areas do we need to focus on and where do I need to adjust my, my process in, in order to meet my customer expectations. Mm -hmm. so, so the primary, you know, kind of problem that, that the benchmark solves is in essence, you know, just from a, a you know, base level is just giving me context against my, my, my peers. And so is this all of healthcare or is this certain subsets of healthcare that participate in the study annually? So it, it, it's primarily staff level positions. We get into the pharmaceuticals, we don't get in, into the insurance aspect of it, but it, it's primarily that are within the hospital or health systems and, and being able to segment that data across a number of different attributes to assess your performance. Mm -hmm. So we measure performance across six different key dimensions and they start with first and foremost productivity. How are we doing with the size of our team and the output that we're achieving? Then moving into quality of hire, looking at first year and 90 day turnover, moving into efficiency. I think about the funnel of recruitment starting at the top with the application volume that's coming in, our process and our yield loss across each step of the workflow, and ultimately getting down to the offer accept ratio, and then how many individuals are starting at our organization. Of course, we've got the time to fill. I think in terms of responsiveness and speed, it's important to measure. But one thing that I always keep in mind is that no candidate or hiring manager or requisition ever experiences the average time to fill. I mean, we're mm -hmm. all focused on it, but it's not really anything that any one individual experiences. What we experience is the variation and the, the variation we capture in over under 60 day breakdown. So mm -hmm. those positions that are filled over 60 days, we refer to as critical, difficult, invisible. It's usually what is talked about in terms of a TA team's performance, and it's what defines you. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have positions that are easy to fill, that you have plenty of candidates for, and it's just a matter of process. And those are referred to as BAU or business as usual positions. A after responsiveness, we've got investment per hire, looking at what we're putting in and what we're getting out in terms of our ROI. And finally, the, the voice of customer. So assessing mm -hmm. the, the qualitative aspect of the work that we do, not only from hiring managers, but also new hires, and most importantly now, the, the non-hired non candidate. So, you know, let's, let's rewind a little bit. And so when, when you were at SSM, right, you're running a team, right? And, and you, you've got some operational experience there and you're, you're focused on continuous improvement and, and spend some time, you know, obviously in the talent acquisition, you know, shop, just practically speaking, um, you know, a, you know, was that when you were introduced to the, to the benchmarking, you know, report and its value and, and like what types of things would, would you have used it for through your continuous improvement efforts? Yeah. So when, when I kind of landed into the TA space, I was kind of put on the project within their CQI department, which is continuous quality improvement. And through those tools that we use in, in lean and, and Six Sigma approaches, whether it be DMAIC or if you use any other standard formal approach, understanding your performance against benchmark is paramount to, to knowing whether or not I need to invest into, into improving. The, the largest 
factor for driving ROI for a, a talent TA team comes down to speed. Because mm-hmm. speed is, in a sense, tied directly to how much we're paying for agency over time because the patients still need care. And if we're not able to provide that with the staff that we have, it needs to be supplemented. And it comes at a cost to have that premium labor on the floor. Not knowing whether or not our speed was good, bad, and different was critical to knowing, do I need to invest or do I need to change how we operate in order to achieve what my goal was, which was best-in-class performance. Mm-hmm. Now, now, do all benchmarking studies, you know, and, and so like you'll, you'll hear in the market, just all different types of maybe options for, for TA leaders to, to pick from. If I'm out shopping for, for a, you know, a benchmark study, like what are some of the things or attributes, I guess, maybe either around speed or, or other things that I should be looking for inside of a good quality benchmarking study? So, uh, of course, the size of the study is important. Understanding how many data points does this study consist of and how many of those look like me. So if you mm-hmm. think about your own attributes, of course, you have your organization size. Other factors that, that drive performance include market variabilities. So do, do they have the same breakdown for rural or urban type of markets? Do they have the same makeup of, of the type of position or the type of workforce that I do? So if you have a, a organization that, that's highly unionized or if you have an organization that's highly based on research, or, or academia, I think it's important to know if the benchmark comparison has the same makeup as what you do within your organization. So those with the largest benchmark studies are, are typically making those segmentations of, of their benchmark available. And, and it's important to, to have that ability to, to drill into those segmentations. So in talent acquisition, right, you know, I've got you know, a lot of different leaders over in this audience, right, has a lot of different, you know, systems. I got, I got Taleo and I got mm-hmm. ORC and, you know, we, we've got, you know, Workday, got a lot of, you know, a lot of our, uh, you know, folks that we engage with. D- does it matter from a benchmarking perspective what system I'm using? How does that play into some of, you know, th- this data and the, and the either the value of it or, or, or not the value in it? So every system is a little bit different, but if you if you look at their capabilities and what they're designed to do, they're 95% the same. And in terms of their objective mm-hmm. and, and what information we're able to extract or the process that each of them is, is built, to, uh, built to follow. Each system does pose its own challenges for getting information out, but I find that the largest challenge isn't associated with what technology you're using. It's do I have the standard work? built into my teams in order to capture the information that, that I need. So just pause there. So what, what you're saying is, do I have consistent process or do I have like those systems configured or maybe both is what you're suggesting? It, uh, both. I mean, l- l- let's take technology and put it to the side. It really doesn't matter. You know, what, what is mm-hmm. your ideal process in order to serve your customer? That, that's mm-hmm. really where the conversation needs to start. And then we need to back into technology at the end of it. How can technology aid the, the design that I need to be able that I need to facilitate? Mm-hmm. And with that, you know, there's there's important tricks and attributes that you want to capture along the way. One of the things that I've picked up, regardless of industry or regardless of of you know the team or the objective objectives, is that the most important metrics that you need to capture to understand your processing, your performance, are the hardest to capture. 
Hmm. Because there, there, there are things that occur. Say that again. The most important metrics are the hardest to get your fingers on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, you, you think about TA, for instance, and mm-hmm. I haven't seen a an organization or a technology yet that is accurately able to document and show who's at interview, when is the interview occurring, what was the outcome of that interview. Um, mm-hmm. Oftentimes, you know, the recruiter is very good at, at facilitating the, the transactions in the ATS, but at the handoff to the manager, we typically move into a gray area where we just don't hear back. So most teams will struggle to identify when that interview actually occurs. But And, and it, why that is so important is because that's a leading indicator. Uh, I'm yes. going to make that jump. I'm going to make that leap, which is like, hey, if I've got, if I've got what I need happening at the interview level, mm-hmm. then I can, you know, lagging KPIs, I can trust that maybe those show up the way that I want them to show up. Is, is that, am I thinking about that, that right? Absolutely. The, the, and I think we, we should back up and clarify the whole concept of, of lead and lag a little bit, because I, I think that's important for the audience to understand. But yes, I mean, at, at the end of the day, if you're responsible for filling your book of business as a recruiter, and you don't know what the outcomes were of the interviews that occurred today, that's a huge gap. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm waiting for the hiring manager to respond or having a regular touch base to get the updates isn't putting the candidate first because while we're waiting for that information to come back that candidate's out there interviewing with three or four other organizations so we need mm-hmm. to get to an answer before the others do yeah you had said something that, that i thought was in, that was really interesting right which is like the value of any benchmarking is is in the the size of the data set and then how contextual it is to my operation right mm-hmm. community or, or whatever so you know when you when you look at you know the this study what what do you anticipate you know in in 2023 the size of this study to be Yeah. Well, uh, our our 2023 study is going to be completely different than any other study that we've done through Lean Human Capital for for our benchmark publication. Mm. Um, What what we have done in the past traditionally is is we try to capture as much information we can, but it's at the aggregate level. So what I mean is, you know, we, we capture data from health system X. And we know how many positions they filled. We know the average time to fill, the over under 60 day breakdowns, but we don't know the detail on those positions that were filled beyond the aggregate that's reported. So although it's been effective for the last 13 years in, in publishing these results and helping our clients improve, it, it isn't as flexible as what we need in order to answer the pressing questions that we have today. So. Going forward and in, in starting with this year's publication, we're collecting data at the individual requisition level and mm-hmm. about the individual candidate that's being hired. So before where we have, you know, maybe 80 to 100 data points for any particular metric or, or, or breakdown, going forward, we're going to have our goal is to achieve 1 million fills in the data set. And I can tell you all the details about each of those 1 million fills across about I, I would say 55 to 60 different attributes um, mm. uh, for for each of those fills. One million fills. That, uh, that, that's, that's our goal. The, the, that's the goal. All right. That's All the right. Goal. I, I like it. Did you call that a big, hairy, audacious goal? 
I, I would call it a good place to start. Yeah. So moving forward, I, I want to double that every year for the next five years. I mean, that, that's, that's really where we need to be because we, we need to understand what the performance is of the industry. And, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of transactions and, and performance that goes unreported on the benchmark. So the more mm-hmm. that we can get, the more that we can understand how your individual performance compares to like size organizations or even like positions. Yep. Is there new metrics that you plan to to track or to set up for TA leaders in in this cycle? And and I guess, are are there metrics that TA leaders are asking for that, to your earlier point, are maybe too hard to get to, but, you know, they're kind of on your radar? Yeah, there's multiple new metrics that that we're going to be pulling into this year's study that are going to give us insights into where many of the problems currently are. So, for instance, if you think about time to fill, uh, mm-hmm. it, it tells us when the requisition was approved and how long it took to get to an accepted offer. But it doesn't tell you the type of problem that you have if you're not achieving, you know, even median or low 25th performance on your time to fill. So although you have a problem that the solutions that you could be deploying may not be effective or, or targeted enough in, in order to actually have an improvement on the bottom line. So in this year's study, we're breaking time to fill down a little bit further, and we're going to have time to source as a segment of that. So Mm -hmm. we'll understand how long it took from the point when the requisition was approved to the point that the person that you ended up hiring applied to that requisition. Mm -hmm. So that tells you that you have a sourcing problem. We have a problem at the top of the funnel. If, if, If we look at time to fill and we say that, oh, we need to do this faster, we need to do this better. You know, you could be trying to speed up your time to interview, but that may not even be effective. We might shave a couple of days off of it, but if we speed up the time to source, yeah, mm-hmm. we, we realize that, you know, let's say our time to fill is 60 days, but it took 40 days in order to get that person to apply. I could care less how long it takes to get them to interview. I want them to apply faster or I Definitely. want to better leverage the information that I already know about. So that kind of leads into my second metric here which is the candidate inventory. So when, when I say candidate inventory, I kind of go back to my supply chain days. Um, mm-hmm. I, 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 I look at TA very much similar to a supply function. So when we think about where do most candidates come from, you know, our first answer is, oh, you know, Indeed or some type of you know, Google engine. And if we dig a little bit deeper, what we realize is that most candidates that you're hiring are already in your applicant tracking system. Wait, so, wait, wait, pause there. Most candidates, just so I'm clear, most candidates that are you know hired are already in your database. They are. Yep. And and what we find is that they were probably either rejected on a previous rec or they withdrew. Mm-hmm. Their experience may not have been the greatest, or you know they they may have applied to your to your position five or six years ago. So mm-hmm. completely out of sight, out of mind. But mm-hmm. you know, when they applied a couple of years ago, maybe they were a sitter or they were a CNA, but they told us at that time, hey, I'm going to nursing school. Mm-hmm. You know, wh- where were we in addressing that, that horizon of, of, of their graduation? Were, were we on top of it? Were we planning for that? We knew four years ago that they were going to school. We knew that they were at, at this university, we knew their graduation data, we could have anticipated it. Where were we in reaching out? Th- those are the types of questions and processes that are going to separate good recruitment teams from great recruitment teams when we can fully extend our ability to 
to operationalize those relationships. I wanted to pick on time to fill a little bit, right? And so like, it seems like there's always this narrative that exists within TA leaders and maybe even CHROs that, oh, I don't pay attention to time to fill. Like, you know, that metric doesn't mean anything to me. What, what would you say to that? Well, if it doesn't mean anything to them, you know, you're, you're probably not going to change their opinion. Uh, mm-hmm. But there's other things that are meaningful. So if mm-hmm. this is a CHRO or if this is a CNO, right away I go to where most of the pressure is on health systems, which is your agency and your overtime. Mm-hmm. So again, the hardest metrics or the, the, the metrics that are most important are the hardest to capture. So if you look at mm-hmm. your open positions, you can tell what their age is or you can tell for those that were filled, you know, how long it took. But can you look at your open positions today and tell me which ones I need to fill that are backed by agency or which ones, if I fill it today, that it's going to have the largest impact on reducing overtime. Those are the connections that we need to make to be able to get the CHROs and the CNOs on board with their desire to also have a common ground in in our desire to improve TA performance. So you're really talking about, you know, using this this data set, uh, using the benchmark to, to focus on your operation, but then also, you know, maybe as a point or, or something to carry forward to the C-suite to help with your investments and, and to really help with, you know, kind of the overall understanding of how the, the function is or isn't um, performing. And so you know, let's just say hypothetically, you know, I'm a TA leader, right? And, and, I, and I participate in this, you know, I'm sure you've got hundreds of clients that, that, that over the years have participated in this. Let's say if I, I, I give you my data. I'm assuming that's what, what, what the process looks like is I, I give you the data, then I get, I get something in return. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I get, this, I get this report. I get it in my hands. What, what, what do I do with it or, or how do I assess it to begin to kind of, you know, in, in essence, figure out what I actually need to work on? Like, what, what, what does that feel like? What's that process like that, that you typically see folks activating from this type of information? Yeah, you know, I mean, when, when you look at your scorecard at first, I mean, it, it, it can be a little overwhelming. Uh, you you mm-hmm. have to know where, where is it that I need to focus and, and how do I actually move the needle? And Ooh. if you're going to focus on three, four, five, six things, and, you know, I, I asked that TA leader or even somebody in the C-suite position, how many goals do you have? You're going to get a list, uh, you know, a mile long. You know, mm-hmm. most leaders in these types of positions have, you know, six to 20 goals. And when you have that much distraction in your work, you're never able to focus on what is critically important or as, as our approach, which follows the 4DX philosophy, what, it was, what is most wildly important. So mm-hmm. when, when, you, when you have those wildly important goals identified, I begin to, to ask the question, how much time are you investing into moving the needle on those? And, and that goes right that goes right back to the leading and the lagging indicators. So if we know that time to fill is not where we need it to be because we're below median performance or, or in, in the bottom quartile, you're not just going to sit there and be able to change time to fill today. Mm-hmm. But you need to be able to answer the question, what can I do today to improve my time to fill? What can my recruiters do today to improve time to fill? Mm-hmm. And the, the answer isn't just fill positions. The, the answer goes right back to those leading indicators, which deal with the applicants that are in process that, that I can influence on, on a daily basis. So some of the most important metrics, again, 
dealing with that is as a TA leader, you know, if, if, if you don't know, you, you probably know how many requisitions a recruiter has, you know what your rec loads are, but do you know what your candidate load is? Do you know mm-hmm. how many relationships those individual recruiters are managing on requisitions that are open today? Because that's what's important. That's what's actually mm-hmm. going to drive the needle mm-hmm. is, is those relationships. Mm-hmm. So how many candidates applied yesterday that still haven't been reviewed? that we haven't reached out to, that we haven't determined, hey, if they're not a fit for the position they applied to, can I use them somewhere else? Mm-hmm. What's our ability in, in our harvest rate to make sure that if somebody wants to work at my organization, that we find them a position? Mm-hmm. And that that kind of goes back to the entire idea that that I've struggled with over the last 10 years is that the applicant tracking system, although they're, they're tools that are necessary to get the job done, they're not optimized for us to achieve our results. They're they're perfectly optimized to reject a candidate. They're perfectly optimized to maintain compliance, but they're not optimized to make sure that every candidate that wants to work at my healthcare organization has a spot. And that, gotcha. that that's that's what we need to figure out. How, how do we operationalize that mindset in in our leaders and in at our front lines? And I'm sure we could probably do a whole episode on, you know, the tech stack and, and maybe where all that's headed from a machine learning perspective to kind of help with, you know, those challenges. Heard you, though, talk about, you know, tech aside, people aside, heard you in the past talk about the, the six dimensions of performance. Mm-hmm. Could you just talk a little bit about, you know, maybe what, what those are and then is there one dimension, and I think maybe you mentioned it at the top of the hour, but I just kind of wanted to, to press on it a little bit. Is there one dimension that's more important than all other dimensions as a talent acquisition leader? So if I'm listening to this and I'm, I'm really just trying to kind of get my bearings, you know, on, mm-hmm. you know, generally what I should be focused in, in on, or are they all equally important? Well, I, you know, it's, it's a hard question to answer in terms of what's most important. What, what, what's most important mm-hmm. is that you're looking at all six of them. And the, the, mm-hmm. the objective of looking at it through this lens is that it's really a balanced scorecard. So mm-hmm. r- right away, most, most leaders want to make sure that we are maximizing our productivity, that we're getting the most out of our recruiters. And when you do that, you're doing it at the expense of the other five dimensions. So, for instance, if your recruiters Mm -hmm. are filling 400 positions a year, their customers are probably not satisfied because you're passing every candidate over to them that hasn't been phone screened, that may not be qualified. So it's creating a terrible experience for your managers when they have their entire whirlwind that they're trying to deal with. So Mm -hmm. uh, with that, we're probably delaying time to fill. We're, We're in, we're decreasing our quality of hire because the manager may, may be making decisions on somebody that isn't a good organizational fit or cultural fit for that position. So that, that's why it's important to maintain all six. But if I, if I were to say which one is most important or, or is most predictive of, of the others, it, 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 it comes down to hiring manager satisfaction. Hiring manager sat. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. When, when, when your managers are satisfied, many of the other dimensions are going to fall in line. But if we're and not- that's measured not through the benchmarking, but through voice of customer surveying yep. and, and really understanding how their what their sentiment is. Cor- correct. But with that, we do pull voice of customer into the, the, the benchmarking. 
So that that is benchmarked gotcha. annually. You'll know how you compare against like organizations or or like job families. Uh, because there is variation by job family for for manager satisfaction, but that that is included. Now, hiring manager satisfaction in, in VOC surveys isn't part of the benchmark offering that we have available to the to the general public. But if if you are interested in that, it is a service that's provided through Lean Human Capital, and and we'd, we'd welcome those discussions if if you'd like to participate. Yeah. What are you most excited about here for the this 2022-2023 uh, cycle? You know, I'm I'm most excited about the the the, the approach that we're changing in, in collecting the data. Um, mm-hmm. For the last 13 years, as I said, although effective, it has been a data collection process that can consume uh, the most experienced data analyst. So mm-hmm. we're really removing a lot of the barriers to be able to participate. If, if you look at the data collection workbook that we have and you compare that against a, a detail fill report that you get right out of your ATS, many of those attributes and, and metrics fall right in line with what we're already asking for. So we're not asking you for calculating your time to fill. We're asking you for when was the rec approved and when did the, the hired candidate accept the offer? So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll calculate it for you. It t- kind of takes the uh, variation out of, out of question about how, how do I assemble this? And, and it also, for, for the reviews that we've had so far, many of our clients are saying it's going to remove just a tremendous amount of waste in terms of the efforts that they go through in order to provide, provide that data. Mm-hmm. So you, you've been doing this, this particular benchmark study you know, for the last, what, three, three years, four years uh, at Lean mm-hmm. Human Capital? Do you see much variation on the metrics year to year? And, and I guess like how, how important is, you know, benchmarking, like when, if I'm thinking about a benchmarking strategy and I, you know, like I know I need to start doing this, how, how important is it to, to be, I guess, you know, real time or near time to the data set? You know, I guess just talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So uh, a couple questions in there. The first is, um, you know, that the metrics will change cycle over cycle. If, if you look at pre-COVID, post-COVID, there, there's, there's drastic changes between that, that two and a half year time period, most notably on, on the supply, which, you know, it, it drives the, uh, uh, the, the, the responsiveness and the speed on, on time to fill. Um, but in, in terms of the, the other part of your question there, you know, and, um, Organizations need to uh, be, be able to assess those changes, not only because of external conditions, but of, of, of the changes internally. Um, a, a good TA mm-hmm. leader usually knows what they need to do, but they're operating on the defense all the time. So the, uh, uh, mm-hmm. the ability to participate in the benchmark study provides them with the ammunition that they need to say, hey, we're heading in the right direction, or we just need to incrementally improve. We need to keep with the course in, in the plan that we have. We're doing well. well let's congratulate our team. And mm-hmm. r- healthcare recruiters are, are so burned out with the volumes that they've been receiving that it's great to just take a step back and say, you know, nice work. You're, you're doing a great job. Mm-hmm. Most recruiters mm-hmm. aren't hearing that. They're, they're fighting the fire. They're passionate about what they do, but being able to recognize elite performance when when that's due, it's 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 critical to maintaining your team. Do, do you find that you know TA leaders that do use this data set, you know, have uh, 
a, a better mechanism to create, you know, kind of common language with their CHRO or CFO. Like when they take this data forward, and I'm going to use you, I'll, I'll use it for example. You know, I, I, I had spent years at, at UPMC and we used benchmarking, but, but we didn't use this study. So I actually didn't have my hands on some of the process metrics that we were talking about. It was all output, met, output metrics. It was all time to fill, turnover, and that type of thing. I wasn't introduced to this particular study until you know, my, my, my time at Trinity, and we use it all the time. And, and so I'm just kind of curious from, from your perspective, do, do you think it does uh, you know, enable a, a, a TA leader to actually create common language? Or, um, you know, I guess, do you find that, you know, just we as TA leaders sometimes struggle in, in articulating the data? You know, I, and I, I'm just kind of curious on your, 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 your thoughts there. Well, TA leaders are, are getting more and more seat time at the C-suite. It, it, it's now, it, it's probably the best time for a recruitment leader to get the investment that they need into their team, into their technology, into improving their process more than it ever has been. But, uh, mm-hmm. Going right back to the bottom line, the, the, the agency and the overtime and the premium labor expense is tied directly to our ability or inability to fill the vacancies that we have. So the the benchmark and your comparison to the benchmark does remove any language barrier that does that 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 most likely does or could exist it, it removes the bias mm-hmm. it removes the emotion that exists in the c suite you know if you, if you're struggling to get the 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 size of the team that you need it's just a matter of participating in the benchmark study to be able to see how does my output compare to other like size organizations how are they resourced? How should I be resourced? Mm-hmm. How are, how are, what, what is their responsiveness like? And what could mine be like if I had the resources that they do? And, and it's not all about headcount. I mean, it, it, it also ties back to process. I mean, you need to optimize your process. You need to invest into removing as much waste as possible that, that exists there. Uh, you know, you control what you can with the resources that you have. And there, there is opportunity to incrementally improve, but you're not going to see the, the, I guess, the uh, drastic breakthroughs that are necessary without being right-sized and aligned for your demand and the supply that your recruiters are struggling to, to get at the top of the funnel right now. Join hundreds of your healthcare TA peers and enjoy the benefits of a NACR membership today. Free educational webinars, access to our listserv, and discounts to your CHCR certification. All of this and much, much more for as low as $80 per person annually. Learn more at knacker.com. That's N-A-H-C-R.com. A couple more questions, and I really appreciate your time. I know you're busy, you know, working through, you know, this, this transition, this acquisition, and kind of back away from the benchmark, which we've focused on really for, for the better part of this show. You know, healthcare TAs, difficult right now, right? Press margins, as we've discussed, and then, you know, press supply, which is not, it's not, not a new idea for anybody. Do, do you see from your seat and from your vantage point, do you see a light at the end of the tunnel or do you, or do you see us in a position where it's continuous improvement? Um, it, it's continuous investment, you know, kind of in your infrastructure, Versus some silver bullet, some whiz bang thing that 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 alleviates some of the pressure that sit on these talent acquisition teams. I 
I think it's going to result or, or it's going to require continuous improvement. There, there's no silver bullet that's going to fix the situation that we're in. It, it, it just continues to erode and, and continues to get worse. But our rate of, of incremental Kaizen improvement needs to keep up with it. You know, if you, if you look at mm-hmm. your process and say, how can I get 1% better today? You're on track for, for elite performance because it, there's mm-hmm. no breakthrough revolutionary change. Whether you're going to go from one ATS to another, it's not going to give you the results that you're looking for. So how can you better manage your process? And how can you think differently about the situation that you're in? I mean, there's sometimes there's just paradigm shifts that you, you need to undergo yourself and, and that your team needs to undergo in, in order to, to achieve the, the, the outcomes that, that you desire. And, and I go right back to, you know, what, what is your advantage? And that this is a conversation mm-hmm. that I have with every client that 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 I work. Typically, it's it's about a sixty-eight to seventy-five percent advantage that most recruitment teams have, and and what that advantage refers to is the rate at which external applicants apply to your job one time. So, if you look at all okay. external unique candidates. 75% of them apply to your job one time and then they never return. So if if your if your mindset is around filling a requisition and you fill that rec and mm-hmm. disposition the rest of the candidates, a good majority of those aren't coming back. So mm-hmm. how are we positioning ourselves to make sure that again if if that candidate wants to work at my organization that I find them a spot. And the ATS in in our traditional ways of of, of filling vacancies aren't doing us any favors. We, we need to fundamentally mm-hmm. change how we look at talent and, and we need to make sure that we have high reliability systems in place to, to, to ensure that, that they have a home with us if, if, if that's what they're choosing, to, if that's where they're choosing to be. The advantage lies within not wasting the candidates that show up in our in our ecosystems and most of us are probably sitting on very large untapped data sources absolutely you know if 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 i were to say you know what what what's where where should i start it would be in answering that question how many candidates are in your ats if if you're a recruitment leader and you can't answer that question that's a good place to begin because the Mm -hmm. answer isn't about how many there are the answer is can i answer it and if mm-hmm. you can answer it, you can begin asking other questions of that data set. You know, if, if you know that there's 1.2 million applications or candidates sitting behind there and 98% of those we've never hired, what were their qualifications? Where mm-hmm. are they at? What types of jobs were they applying to? What, what can I do today to pick up the phone and begin calling those candidates for the positions that they may have applied to in the past? but we didn't hire them, but I have a vacancy today. Those are warm phone calls. And we've seen just exceptional results with our clients taking on initiatives like that. It's grinding work, but it's effective work. And and it fills positions more quickly than it would through a post and pray methodology. And and I love that, you know, like what, what can I do today? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And, and, and where can I, you know, generate a list and, and to engage a human in this idea of, of maybe who we know is warm, right? They, they've applied, they've said, hey, I'm interested in your company mm-hmm. with, with an eye to the future, right? And so I think that we, we also, and, and you and I've had this conversation, you know, 
see the advancements coming in things like machine learning and, and really how they may enable us as, as you know, talent acquisition, acquisition leaders to effectively keep an eye on that database 24-7, 365, and to, to continually draw up that talent into that requisition-focused mindset that, unfortunately, you get yourself caught into. Hey, I'm a recruiter. You gave me these 50, 60, 80, 100 recs or whatever. I'm, I'm focused on fill, filling those recs for you. That's what that's the task that you gave me, leader, right? Mm-hmm. And so the mess that's created behind it sometimes is, is you know, as you put it really well, that's our advantage. You know, so. It is. Absolutely. So last question. Yeah, last question. Um, why, why healthcare? So you've been, you know, uh, in and around healthcare for what, the better part of the last 13 years. Is, is there something that draws you into this, you know, industry in particular? Well, you know, I, I started my, my healthcare journey at a, a small 50 bed hospital that, that was just opening up here in Janesville, Wisconsin at, at, at St. Mary's Janesville Hospital. And th- my, my experience in, in the first month was absolute culture shock. I was coming from manufacturing. Mm-hmm. I was running a foundry. We were pouring molten metal at, at 2,300 degrees. And, and then stepping into having an, an office right, right next to the ICU, and I was helping nurses solve problems where I didn't even understand the language or the objectives, it, it made me want to run for the hills. But mm. after you know, a, a couple of months, I realized that all work is part of a process. And mm-hmm. as long as I understand what our objectives are, I can help teams achieve their goals. And, and it's about working with people, working through change, measuring your process, understanding your performance. And, and that, that's really what drives me. Now, now keeping me in healthcare and not, not going to other industries, that there's so much self-satisfaction that, that I have associated with making sure that we have the resources that we need to deliver the, the high quality care that, that our patients require and, and, and need within our communities. So be, being able to help our organizations within Lean Human Capital do that on a national scale, I, I I have had feedback from our clients, you know, even, even through COVID and helping them work through those paradigm shifts that, that the results of our efforts and the results of our collaboration have actually improved and saved patient lives. So that's what keeps me here. I, I may not be yeah. at the front lines, but I'm making sure that our clients and our partners within our, our community uh, are able to have the resources that they need to fulfill their patient obligations as well. Yeah, that's great, man. And and I, I really appreciate you spending some time with, with me here today. I know that here over the last couple of weeks, you and I have been spending you know, a lot of time together. And, and I just as a, the more that I get to know you, uh, just the, the more respect I, I have for the body of work, or the insights that you have, and really how you look at, you know, the, the talent acquisition process and, and the flexibility that you bring. So I've really enjoyed our time together. So if if someone has not in the past in your benchmarking study, which I know you're, you're, you're launching here soon, you know, and, and you know, if, if somebody wants to participate in that this year and, and gain access to the report, how, how do they do that? Well, there, there are no barriers to entry. In, in the past, you'd have to you know, buy into it. This year, it's free. So to begin your process, mm-hmm. you can go to roguehire.com and, and, and follow the, the benchmark instructions that are on there. 
Um, if, if you follow me on, on LinkedIn or, or you can connect with me on LinkedIn, more than happy to, to walk you through next steps there. You can reach out to me. And Matt, if you could put my, my email in the podcast notes here, more, more, than, more than happy to take the time required to make sure you've got what you need for participation. Our, our benchmark study does open up very shortly here, and we will be collecting data sets through, I believe, April 28th. Uh, and, and then we'll be publishing hopefully before the, the beginning of June. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, it sounds like there's probably a round two for you and I, and that round two is probably once the benchmarking study is done in June to come on here and break it down a little bit. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to sharing those results and the insights and, and, and most importantly, sharing all the great work that our community is doing to, to improve their results, given the, the headwinds and the challenges that they're facing every day, day in and day out. All right, Christian. Well, hey, I appreciate your time today. And thanks for, thanks for jumping in. And I'm sure we'll see you soon. Appreciate it, Matt. All right. We want to thank you for listening to TA in the Trenches. We are produced by Iron Mike and his team at Ironbound Media. Keep up the great work, team. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and check out all of our episodes at knacker.com. That's N-A-H-C-R.com. You also can find me out on LinkedIn where you'll find quick show riffs. Feel free to ping me. I always respond. Bye for now.